I can make a movie that's really Guy Ritchie. <laughs> it is his Six Underground. I think that's very accurate. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 586 with a review of The Gentleman. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are not uh, arguing over The Turning, which uh, apparently is doing not so well right now. Yep. We did not see it. But we are here to talk about The Gentleman, which is the latest film from Guy Ritchie. Uh, speaking of Guy Ritchie... Uh, there was a Guy Ritchie film that came out, uh, was it last year? Yeah. That uh, you didn't catch in theaters, but you caught on a plane, and I think that you were not as negative as other people were, and that's a little Guy Ritchie film called Aladdin. Oh, God, I <laughs> forgot that was Guy Ritchie. I was like, what the hell is Chris talking about? <laughs> you are absolutely right. <laughs> I was so confused. I, I just blacked out that he's the one who directed that. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, when... No one was excited for Aladdin. Um, when it came out, like moments before sitting down, I was like, not even moments before I sat down. Like when, once I realized, I had seen the trailer a number of times before I noticed Guy Ritchie's name plastered on it. And yeah. uh, I was like, oh, maybe I don't need to hate this film. Um, but then I saw it and I didn't like it. But you saw it on a plane and you got, it got the plane, the Stephen Travels plane boost. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know if we got to talk about it too much on the podcast, but... Uh, you can never talk about it too much. <laughs> defend yourself, Stephen. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't think it was fantastic, but there are a number of things I quite liked about it. I thought Will Smith as the genie is pretty inspired casting. I think he came to work. <laughs> I think he came to work knowing this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like... I'm, I'm going to genie the shit out of this movie. And I feel like he does riffs a lot in a way that I think is great. I like I like him in the movie. Um, I, like I, I feel the, like this is like Bizarro Steven, where it's just like you have the opposite opinion of like the collective internet. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I thought Will Smith was a great genie. Um, I <laughs> I also just thought first of all the the casting. So this is me veering back into more internet beliefs. Like it was nice to see them actually do like I'm going to do a Middle Eastern cast for this movie instead. Yeah, like Aladdin was my favorite Disney movie as a kid growing up, and. That movie is whitewashed as fuck. And it was it was interesting to watch them like make this movie that is actually demonstrating a diverse cast and like trying to be a little bit more actually pulling from the culture. I know Agrabah is a made up place, but you know, it's vaguely Arabian culture and it, it yeah. did a good job of that. I, I don't know. I thought like the when it gets crazy, it gets crazy in the right way. I did not love it. Like I think the pacing is odd and I think the music in all of these new Disney movies is just off in a way I can't. It's like a weaker version of yeah, what it should be. Yeah, it's like you've got this amazing song catalog. Why are you half assing it? Like you should just belt it out. Like you should be totally into it. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I liked it. I had I had fun with it. I think Will Smith is the one that really made me like it though. And and you still haven't seen the Guy Ritchie King Arthur, right? I have not, no. All right. Yeah, I think that that one. If you could, if you could get through all of Aladdin and be like, you know, what? this was not so bad. I think you should definitely see that um, because that was a wild movie. Um, to, to be clear, Aladdin would have been like a rental or something. Like, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. must see about it or anything. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but so basically, there's a roundabout way of me saying when you sat down and see this film, you have not been recently tainted by anything yeah. Guy Ritchie did that made you go like. Oh, I hope this is better than the last thing. And speaking of roundabouts, you know where they got those? 
in, in, in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we are here to talk about uh, the gentleman, uh, which I'm going to do my best not to call the Irishman um, because just it's another movie with a the and <laughs> thing ending with men. Yeah. Um, but this movie was luckily less than three and a half hours. And uh, yeah, we're going to review it. So we're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Gentleman, and we're going to come back and give you a review. There once was a young and foolish dragon who came to ask a wise and cunning lion about acquiring his territory. And the lion, he wasn't interested. So he told the little dragon, the dragon, he persisted. Oh, goody. He started a war. So the lion took the little dragon for a walk and put five bullets in his little dragon head. It's warming up now, isn't it? There's a message in there. Maybe you can explain it to me. The young succeed the old. Enjoy the show. It's going to get messy. I forgot to wash my hands. There's only one rule in this jungle. When the lion's hungry, he eats. His name is Fahok. It's spelled with a P-H, so it sounds like Fahok. Please! Kanda Fahok. Please! see how i can do this <laughs> the gentleman is basically about a a gentleman who uh is into selling uh weed and he has grown a giant weed business by uh manipulating people with land and uh figured out a way to hide a shit ton like 50 tons a year of weed and uh massively sell that and make a lot of money um but this gentleman is trying to be more gentle and wants to sort of get out of the business and he is planning to potentially sell to one of his competitors. And uh, that sort of changes up the market. And a bunch of people are interested in buying him out or maybe taking over his business. And a bunch of shenanigans takes place. And uh, we see a bunch of people try to overthrow the gentleman and take his business. Yep. Stephen Miller, what did you think of the gentleman? Uh, I was surprised by the gentleman. And I can't decide in a good way or bad way. Yet. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, I knew this was going to be Guy Ritchie doing his Guy Ritchie thing. Um, I got a sense just from the casting that it was probably going to be him like extra playing in his usual sandbox. Like after Aladdin, he's like, now I'm going to do one for me. Right. I'm going to do. I'm, <laughs> Who is Aladdin for? <laughs> Disney. Sure. Okay. I mean, like I, I liked Aladdin, but that is like at best 15% a Guy Ritchie movie. Like yeah, he, yeah. he did not really get that much into it except for some kind of cool cool moments but but anyway this is like i i knew this was going to be kind of indulgent guy richie what i didn't expect was the way he was gonna like slow it down to enjoy it like i i think this is his version of martin mcdonough's seven psychopaths this is his you did you ever see that yeah yeah. okay it's his like this is my brand i'm gonna comment on my brand i'm gonna have like a whole meta thing even deconstructing what i do and I'm going to make it all kind of still go to hell and you're still going to be on board for it because I'm Guy fucking Richie. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it to you even as I have every character, like, screaming, this is the plot, this is what it's about, this is where that happens, don't you remember that? You know, like, be very, very, very open about my self-indulgence. Um, and there's a lot of really fun stuff to be had there, like... The cast is just having an amazing time chewing scenery here. Uh, like Hugh Grant, I think, is probably having the most fun. He's still like riding those fumes from Paddington 2. He's still like 
full on like just extreme parody of a character like just being a blast to to watch uh, jeremy strong i thought was a lot of fun in this movie he's kind of like doing a 180 from his succession character at least in behavior though arguably not in longer term mannerisms but at least in his <laughs> behavior um and yeah i just think at, like charlie hunnam i like to see his full transformation i was telling you on the way out i feel like he's becoming seth rogan or they're meeting in the middle somewhere <laughs> like i think seth rogan from the long shot is becoming charlie hunnam or vice versa um but like it, it, it's fun it's a lot of fun i love seeing colin farrell show up i think there's a lot to recommend it i just also think it it is a little too satisfied with itself and especially early in the movie like maybe the first 20 or 30 minutes it is really enjoying slowing down and just having like Hugh Grant milk the shit out of every like cock teasy conversation he has with Charlie Hunnam's character yeah. and it's like I don't need to show you blood. I don't need to show you action. You're all here for a Guy Ritchie movie. I'm going to make you wait and wait and wait and wait. Yeah. Um, I think it does pay off. I th like, I think it is ultimately still enjoyable for that purpose. And I, I like how far he went with it, but I just think it's a very minor work to me by Guy Ritchie standards. Like he doesn't have that, that propulsive like story momentum that moves it along by design, like, it's trying to deconstruct it and just to kind of fuck around in the sandbox that he's built. But you feel that lack of forward momentum, I think, in certain parts. Um, I also think, like, it is very funny in parts, but it is also very lazy funny in other parts. I, I'm not going to decide if it's genuinely offensive or not. Britain is its own place. I don't know <laughs> what they say. Like, you know, like, like the word the word they throw around the most the c word is known to be in britain like fine and different that didn't bother me but there's some like racial stereotypes and other stuff that is just it isn't even aggressive enough to be offensive it's just kind of like you didn't need that that's kind of lazy it gets weird when he tries to like woke explain to another character yeah. or, like some things but then also fucks up while he's doing it and maybe that's the joke but i'm not sure i mean i think it's just him dicking around like i, yeah. I think he's just having fun with some lazy comedy mixed with some quite clever writing and yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like a... I won't say lackluster, because I think Guy Ritchie is throwing, like, a whole lot of Guy Ritchie into this movie, but it's more like he is making this not... He isn't caring to hone it into a full thing. He just, like, wants to enjoy this mini-universe that he made and the way these characters would interact. So, yeah. a lot of cool moments. Like, I liked Henry Golding as Dry Eye. I liked, I liked lots of stuff in this movie on its own, but it, feel, it feels like it's, like, a a bunch of sketches that could be made into a complete movie that instead they rather than do the work of making a complete movie, they decided to be like, let's just keep it incomplete and just make that be the point. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I feel. I I'm still confused because I kind of like that. And I also kind of feel like you could have tried harder than this. <laughs> so how did I feel about this movie? <laughs> you asking um, me? <laughs> I, I, I was curious sitting down to do this recording, what you were going to lead with and where you were going to go with your review. Um, because I I think I'm sort of in the same place as you are. There are things in this film that I liked and enjoyed. And I think the longer the runtime is, the better the film gets, the more it knows once what it wants to do. But I think this film gets off on a little bit of the wrong foot by starting with the strangest characters. It's not we have we, – we don't get a straight man followed by these character pieces. We start with the character and you don't quite know where he is yet. Like uh, um, the Hugh Grant character is like 
he is this smarmy, kind of weaselly, weird, androgynous, a little bit maybe, sort of kind of like it, – it's just – it's you don't know what he's supposed to be. And he doesn't speak in long enough lines that aren't like him drunkenly stuttering for you to really get a sense of who he's supposed to be. And by the end of the almost two-hour runtime, you know where he is and you're like, okay, I've settled into this character. I, this character's funny now to me. But at first, you don't really know what's going on. And then you, you talked about this film being meta. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to push back a little bit on that because I think to be meta – there has to be something that is not your commentary that you're watching. I feel like this, the beginning of this film goes beyond meta and it's no longer narrative. It's just the thing that it's saying it's doing. And then the bookend of the film just does that even more. And no, I, sure. The, I, the bookend I, is it at its most. Like, I, I think that when this film started, it was aggressively grading on my level of acceptance. Like, I was just like, oh... Jesus Christ, I hope this film isn't going to do this the whole movie. It just it, I wasn't with it and it was it was it was grating on me and I I couldn't escape that. And I think that the longer it went on and the more the story sort of unraveled and the more we get, got to spend time with each of these characters, I settled into it a little bit and there are moments of fun. I think the best part of this film is the toddlers. So uh, which is this, this not little children for those who haven't seen the film, but it's this like gangster squad of like these breakdance fighting gangster kids who do crimes and upload their shit to YouTube. And I would watch that whole movie about that crew because that was fucking amazing. I loved every second that they were on screen, getting into trouble, doing their thing. They're great. I think that some of the other groupings of people feel a little bit more like side guy, Richie characters. It's kind of like, you know, Lockstock and two smoking barrels snatch amazing films, but they're kind of about all these different groups of people who are having their paths cross and their storylines are all interconnecting. This movie feels like, what if all the B characters that got cut out of those movies now interconnected with right. each other? And when we sat down to, the, to, to see the movie, um, like, you know, we, we sat down. Uh, we, this is one of the films that we've actually seen together. And I turned to you and I was like, oh, I haven't seen a trailer or anything. I don't know what we're about to watch. You were like, same with me. I was like, all I saw was the cast. And it feels like the cast was ca- – it feels like the people were cast by the Netflix algorithm. Like, it felt like we're just going to take a bunch of these people who are hot right now because of other things and then put them in a movie together. And I think that, like, it was hard to just sit and watch this film and not feel weird about the mishmash of what was going on. And I think that – Overall, I was didn't walk out of the theater very positive about it. But when I think back to it, or I watch clips from the trailer, or I see Colin any shot that has Colin Farrell in it, like there are things that make me giggle in my head, and I'm like, oh no, I think I liked some of that movie. It just overall let me down a lot and didn't really excite me. Mm. I, I think for me, one thing I do believe, and <laughs> this is a thing I felt knowing the movie existed. I think there was a very short trailer, like a teaser that I saw a while before the movie came out, is that I I, I don't think Matthew McConaughey fits in the Guy Ritchie universe. I think he's the wrong person to anchor this movie because he's basically playing himself, like he's being his own swaggering American and they just decide to make him an American instead. But he doesn't... I don't feel like the movie actually builds him up as anything and he doesn't have enough personality as an actor to shorthand that like the way that some people might where like just the swagger they have would make you believe everything that is said about them yeah like i 
I feel like he is the least interesting person in this movie, <laughs> or or one of them. Whereas like so many of the side characters, like uh, Colin Farrell's character, or Henry Golding's character, or Charlie Hunnam, or Jeremy Strong, are people where I feel like have extremely well defined kind of like maxed out personality traits, and that is a kind of weird thing. And it makes it so. This movie, I think, the a plot is barely existent, right? It's all well, not, none of the plots are really existent, but it isn't. <laughs> It isn't about what it's about. It's about, like, the fun of... It's about telling a story. <laughs> yeah, it's about telling a story and telling a story kind of in reverse of, like, he's doing the same Guy Ritchie thing where, you know, people, threads are going to be woven and they're going to collide at some point. But they've already kind of collided at the beginning because you know that that's where it's going from the framing device. So it's kind of, it's enjoying, like, slowing it down and just being, like, how slow motion can I make this car crash and still have you, like be along for the ride yeah um to to yeah to various effects like i i don't know i liked i like the universe guy richie movies exist in i like there there's a scene that is rather drawn out that takes place at a uh an addict's apartment that i like i like everything about that scene i feel like to me that was like peak guy richie um yeah. i you mentioned the toddlers those are great um <laughs> Toddler. in general toddlers are yeah, great. love toddlers um, as the movie progresses and it uh, coagulates into more of a kind of traditional Guy Ritchie type movie, I think it has more and more to recommend it. Like when when things start to get double crossy and violent and everything, that's that's all fun. All of it is fun. It's just kind of it, like like it isn't even just that it is a little underwhelming. It's like it is delighting in underwhelming me for the first half hour at least of the movie of being like trying your patience and sometimes i love having my patience tried like sometimes i'm just so <laughs> on the director's wavelength i'm like yes jerk me around i don't care like do it to me because i trust that you are going to get me to like where you want me to be in the end and this time i don't know that guy Ritchie has a place he wants me to be he just is like delighting in the act of storytelling so i, I think that is sort of maybe the problem is that he really spent time with like Hugh Grant's, like, narration throughout the film. And that was, like, I want to give this character a chance to really shine and try to talk about how smart he is and all the stuff that he knows because he's witnessed all these things. The problem is that, like, so in, once again, not not to compare too much to Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, but in those films, we bounce between groups of characters and we watch their storylines collide. And we know they'll eventually cross paths because why would we be watching all these separate, like, it's not an anthology film. It's a bunch of storylines that are going to connect. But we bounce between these different characters. In this film, that journey is sort of cut away. And instead, we're given a character telling what they've witnessed for the whole movie. Mm. And then there's like a weird narrative framing where there's, a, there's an opening scene to this film and then we don't return to that until later in the film. And that's all there to set this entire story with one trajectory in mind. And I think that because Guy Ritchie is trying to pull you away from watching a logical progression of things, when you have one character just saying what they saw, it, it feels lesser. So when things start to get twisty-turny and everything's going crazy and you're like hearing about all this stuff – it doesn't feel like a thing that you really saw. It's kind of like I have a cup and I put a ball under it 
And then you go, yeah, but then under that cup, I put a peanut. And then I lift up the cup and there's a peanut there. That's not like a, oh, shit, you tricked me. That's like, okay, so you're just retconning me putting a ball under the cup, right? Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel like a, oh, shit, I could have seen that happening the whole time. It feels like a, while I was telling you this, there's this other stuff I hadn't told you yet. And I, I think that that doesn't feel like a good topsy-turny sort of plot. It feels like a this story has to have these sort of ebbs and flows because that's the story I want to tell you, but it doesn't feel earned. It just feels like there's a character narrating. So things happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I buy that though. I'm wondering, would you say Guy Ritchie typically does have the thing where you delight in having been able to call it? Like, I don't feel like in Lockstock, there's a universe where you would know how things will happen until they happen. Like, you're, you're kind of at his mercy all along, right? But y y You are, but you are watching those narrative threads be woven together. Mm -hmm. And that is the joy. The joy isn't, because I don't, like, there's not, like, there's not, like, big, like, oh, shit moments. There is aha moments, like, yeah. which is, like, I'm seeing, like, it's... It's this scene, which didn't make sense before, now makes sense in the context of watching other characters walk into that scene. Mm -hmm. And it, that's, a, that's a different strategy than, while I was telling you that this is what was happening. Like, and also, the, the thing is, like, the person telling the audience the story is the person who was there for half of the story that's being told to him. And it's a bluffing game. But then the more you learn about what is being bluffed, the less that interaction continues to make sense, right? It's like both characters are trying to stall each other because they all want to know what the other person like. It, it, it's, it's too much. Uh, it's too much stuff happening that all amounts to nothing. So while there's moments of joy from the interactions between characters, that falls apart. For like the narrative never feels cohesive or good. You just have funny moments between characters, and that's hard to sustain a film from. Uh, or four. And when you have that thing which you called meta, meta which I called an insult, <laughs> it, it, that like layered on top of all of this non story just feels sort of uh, lackluster to me in a way that uh, makes me go, like, eh, you know, I had fun with it, but I definitely didn't enjoy this film that much. Yeah, I think I think I see that. I had enough enjoyment still to carry me over the finish line, but I do feel like it's. There's a laziness to it. Like I said, there's a laziness to the jokes, especially the racial joke. Like, they're all things that could were in Wayne's World, like, you know, 30 years ago or something. Like, yeah. there, there's not a lot new there. It's kind of, like, just delighting in being obvious. Um, yeah. But then there still is, like, a kind of giddiness with, like, how how ridiculous Guy Ritchie's characters are and, like, watching when the mayhem does happen there, there's fun to be had there and like he knows enough to still know how to get you to that point even if he's spending a lot of the movie infuriating you rather than building up to it yeah but like the, so going back to because i don't, I don't want to just shit on this film but like so i said that i love the toddlers and they are amazing but the toddlers feel like eight tom hollands that are just fucking happy they're in a guy Ritchie movie mm -hmm. like they are so stoked to be there and they are having fun and they feel kind of in a different movie because everyone else is like an actor right everybody else is like a person who you've watched in a million other movies and like they have things they are bringing into the story and all these kids uh, or you know younger guys like i don't know them from anything so like when i see them they just feel authentic kids from around the neighborhoods and people who are like hoodlums that are just getting well, into it trouble. it kind of wants me to now see Guy Ritchie make a movie that is just 
unknown actors being a yeah. more like realist like here is what the gritty parts of london are now like yeah and yeah. i'm not gonna have famous people chewing scenery i'm just gonna have like this real like like you've done the most extreme i'll call it meta version of this story now give me the direct one again yeah like give me give me the direct one that doesn't have the recognizable faces that are winking at the camera i feel like that would be really cool so the question is would people have been as excited to see that film or is part of the draw guy Ritchie's name above all these actors that we know oh well, for sure that's part of the draw i, I mean it's similar it I think in execution, it's very different, but the draw is similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, for instance, yeah. where you're just like, oh, shit. Wow. He's back with all those people. Man, I got to see what they're going to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it has that kind of joy or like a cohen movie or something where like the cast just comes back or even Wes Anderson. Like all these people, they have they have these guys who play in their sandbox. I don't – this is going to – sound dumb to ask because i should know already but has colin farrell been in a prominent guy Ritchie movie before like i know martin mcdonough movies but i don't i do not know because he seems like if he hasn't been he like fits like a glove like he so obviously needs to be in that world yeah um but yeah i i think just the collection of people is is great and it feels like a kind of greatest hits of i guess it's mostly the second era characters in this movie that are guy Ritchie staples like big dave he's definitely been in a bunch of them um but I don't know. I, I don't think the draw of this movie would be the same, but this movie is so indulgent, like, it wouldn't have been the same movie at all. Like, I don't know. It's a completely different venture. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, any other thoughts about this film? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Just as many thoughts as Guy Ritchie put into yep. making the film. Uh, I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, but what I'm not kidding about is our verdicts for this film. So Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm teetering between rental and recommend with caveat, but I think I'm going rental. I don't, like, for this weekend, it almost definitely is, like, the best thing to see. And if you're thinking, like, should I, <laughs> should I go amuse myself with something? Like, yeah, I, I found it amusing. I, I had a totally fun time seeing it. It didn't like propel itself along as much as I was hoping to, but it, it's fun to think about later. And I, I kind of enjoyed seeing where Guy Ritchie is at right now. I don't think this is phenomenal, and it is definitely like one of the more minor things that he's done. But whatever, I, I, I think it's also totally fine. Yeah, I, I think that this is definitely a rental territory. This would be a perfect Netflix film. Um, I mean, if Six Underground is like the most bay. Uh, this is like Guy Ritchie saw Six Underground, even though I know time-wise this doesn't make any sense. But like you saw that, I was like, I can make a movie that's really Guy Ritchie. <laughs> it is his Six Underground. I think that's very accurate. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so a rental for me. So that is going to bring us to the end of our review of The Gentleman. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, The Gentleman. Boxes of Bush. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
they haven't, as far as I can tell, they have not released that full track um, that the toddlers use when they upload their video of the mayhem they're doing. Um, if that is somehow released on the internet before tomorrow, <laughs> then it'll be playing. If not, we have a small clip from a video that was online that has that, and you'll probably hear that at the end. Otherwise, you're just hearing some... Uh, Chris and I will just wrap it and record I, there, there, yeah, there is a track called The Toddlers, and it is like the music that is playing in the film. The Rugrats when we first. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is our review of The Gentleman. Next week, we're going to be back with a review of the rhythm section. Um, we're only doing movies that start with the yep. for the rest of time. Um, that is the, the rhythm bad boys. Section. <laughs> yeah, the bad boys. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. <laughs>